Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Monday Morning Practitioner, a new segment from the Business of Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we are back with a new topic after a short week away. If this happens to be your first time listening, here's what this segment is all about. In just a few short minutes each week, I do my best to quickly deconstruct and analyze lessons from my various experiences that I've encountered over the last 20 years as an intelligence practitioner to include the wins and the losses. Our intent here is to see if we can use these learnings to improve even 1% each week as risk intelligence practitioners, as programs, and as leaders. There's no long-form interviews during this segment, no fluff, no extra stuff, just what I hope will be information that you can take away and use right now. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was a participant in a virtual coffee chat with industry analysts, and one of the questions that was posed was, what's the biggest thing that you're struggling with right now? And as I was as I was listening to everyone raise different issues, it, it sort of reminded me that a lot of the issues that we face as in-house intelligence teams relate to the fact that in-house teams can be pretty small, <laughs> or even solo practitioners in some cases, or a lot of cases, uh, you know, which often means there's endless work to do and just not enough people or resources to do it. So this week, I want to share a few lessons from my experience of starting off as a team of one and what I focused on to be effective, to win support, and eventually grow the function. Now, I like to call these lessons the building blocks of how to thrive and not just survive as a solo practitioner or as a function with just one or two people. Now, I know this sounds like I'm getting ready to talk about how to build a business case to grow the function, and I would love to do that, but I would more consider this as a precursor to building an actual business case as the business case discussion definitely deserves, I think, more of a long-form episode format with, with additional guests. So without further ado, let me just quickly share a few of my building blocks for thriving and not just surviving as a solo practitioner or as a member of a team of two or three. And I think it all starts with this. Number one is to perform your job exactly what you're hired to do and do it at the very highest level. So whatever you think the standard is, or whatever whatever you've been told is a standard, blow that standard out of the water. The idea here is when we first start a function or we're part of a, a small team building a function, we all have aspirations. We have aspirations to utilize all of our subject matter expertise and expand the reach of the function. We have aspirations to serve and work across the business. We have aspirations to get promoted as soon as we possibly can. And I think all of that is great. It makes sense, but it can also lead to what we call mission creep or scope creep. And you try to do too many things at once. Of course, what can happen is that you do a bunch of things okay, which I've done that in the past, but nothing extraordinarily well. And that can ultimately work against you. So I've learned through my experiences that the right play here is to focus on what matters most and not jump too far ahead, which is an easy mistake to make and one that can undermine program development. So let me quickly share my experience to see if if any of this resonates with you. So I got my start in the private sector by taking on a protective intelligence role supporting an executive protection team. Now, before I even started the role, I had these grand visions, I think just like anyone would, of what was possible and what I was gonna do So I started socializing some of those ideas with different people in the business when I started. The advice that came back to me 
uh, from some really seasoned business leaders was just focus on what was right in front of me, meaning my current role, and do it in such a way that I could no longer be ignored. And I would then have the willing audience for my other ideas. So on that last point, I'll, I'll just as a quick aside, I'll tell you this. If you really knew me, you'd know that patience was not one of my superpowers back then. So that wasn't exactly what I had hoped to hear. But luckily, listening is one of my superpowers. So I took that advice on board. And lo and behold, I think it ended up being spot on. So I dove in headfirst to protective intelligence. And ultimately, you know, I'm fast forwarding quite a bit here, but ultimately, I was granted, granted an audience with the CEO to do briefings on international trips. So not too long after that, he asked me if I thought it was safe for his family to attend the Sochi Winter Olympics in Russia. So we're talking about in 2014. And that ultimately opened up the doors for an expansion of our travel risk work. Now, those same Winter Olympics had a geopolitical component to it. And of course, in that same month, if you can remember, there was a political crisis in Crimea in Ukraine and a subsequent invasion and annexation of Crimea by Russia. So that opened even more doors and interest in geopolitical risk, um, which was fantastic. That was exactly what I was hoping for. But I'm, I'm highly confident that that chain of events would have never happened if I wasn't so dialed in on my core job, which was protective intelligence in the first place. So that was my story. But if you have a few things that you have to focus on, so more than just what I had in the beginning, which was that protective intelligence, and maybe you have to focus on the entire world, which I know is, you know, that was not the case for me originally, but that can often be the case for very small teams and even solo practitioners. The question then becomes, well, what do I choose to focus on in terms of performing at the highest level and exceeding the standard? I would answer that by saying I don't necessarily have the answer because I think it depends on so many variables. But what I would say is if I was forced to give an answer, it would be twofold. I would say focus on exactly what you're hired to do, whatever that is. And if what you're hired to do is many things, focus on what is going to give you the most visibility and the most exposure in terms of showcasing how you can add value to the business. In my case, I was really lucky in that things, um, in that my thing was protective intelligence because, of course, my customers were mostly senior leaders at that time. But exposure and visibility is key, and we'll come back to that shortly. I think it's an important point. If your job, though, at the end of the day is to be a regional analyst, then be the absolute best regional analyst that you've ever seen or that anyone's ever seen. If your job is to build a protective intelligence program, give everything you have to building that program and just be patient and stay within that lane. And I'm really confident, confident the return on investment will come. Now, the second building block as we transition here um, to thrive and not just survive is this communicate what you do. And I'll say this again, communicate what you do. And so here's a really silly analogy alert. You can't build a house without a foundation. I think everyone probably knows that. You also can't thrive without a foundation in this scenario. And that foundation is built via your brand and via your credibility as a practitioner. And you build both of those by performing at the highest level, which we just talked about, and also by telling people about it. You have to let them know. Without that brand awareness, you're not gonna be able to sur survive, let alone thrive and eventually expand. 
So there's various ways to go about doing this, but it, and we could, you know, again, talk about this all day and, and probably in a long form episode. But if I had to boil it down into just a couple of key things or components, this is what I would say. You have to capture and measure what you do in some way, shape or form. And I know that might look different for everyone, but capture what you do. You have to use those insights from what you measure or capture and use it to tell stories to key stakeholders and customers about what you did and how it added value. And then also, I think it's really important to obtain testimonials from these stakeholders and customers, which can be very, very powerful. And also think about whether or not those same people that give you those testimonials can serve as your champions within the business. I would also say this, don't take for granted how important it is to first tell these stories to your boss and the key stakeholders within your own department. And as you hear me say that, you have to be thinking, well, yeah, of course, that's the obvious answer for so many reasons, to include the fact that my boss provides my performance review. But what I would say is I would ask you to look beyond the obvious here and think about it this way. If you want to thrive and expand your team and your function, the first thing that comes to mind is probably the idea that you want to increase headcount. And I know there are some exceptions, I'm sure, but this can be really, really difficult within businesses for numerous reasons. I've found myself in a position multiple times where there was a moratorium on new headcount. And there was a belief at the same time, though, that the intelligence function added so much value that our department decided to repurpose some of our existing headcount or reprioritize existing resources for the intelligence function. And that never would have happened if I wouldn't have started with my own team, my own uh, sort of business family, so to speak, of telling that story about what we do and then expanding out to telling that story to other key stakeholders. Um, so keep that in mind. Okay, number three, be good at spotting opportunities and be ready to seize them when they arrive because they aren't always delivered neatly to your inbox as much as I wish they would be. Now, this is going to sound a little contradictory to point number one, but hear me out for a second. We just talked about having ambitions and having aspirations to expand and work in other areas, maybe beyond what was your original remit. And I know I certainly did. Uh, but to focus on that original remit and not stray until you really succeed in that area, that is, in my opinion, the foundational building block to thriving. But those ambitions and aspirations, they don't have to go to waste. And so here's the lesson learned. It's to always be ready if an opportunity presents itself to showcase what you can do, what the function can do, and why expanding your remit will add value to the business. So let's go back to my previous example with the CEO. Of course, one of my original goals was to push beyond the protective intelligence work stream as much as I enjoyed that and develop a geopolitical risk practice. And if I hadn't given that any previous thought, despite the fact that, you know, that was not part of my original remit, and if I hadn't had a vision or a plan in my head of what I would do if I was ever asked way back in 2014, what do you know about Russia and Ukraine? I wouldn't have been ready. I may have missed the opportunity to show them what I knew and how I could add value. So always be ready. Do your own form of scenario planning and ask yourself questions like, if there was a major global crisis tomorrow, am I ready or are we ready to contribute? And if so, how do we do that? How would we go about getting a seat at the table? And it might just not, it might not just be a global crisis. It may be a particular issue or an incident or event. 
but be asking yourself those questions and play that out in your head and have a plan and have a vision. Um, because seizing opportunities, it, it, it can be really successful in, in terms of helping you thrive and not just survive. Also talk to people, listen to people and see if you can spot opportunities in terms of how you might be able to help them solve a problem or make a decision through intelligence. Now, the final building block is the importance of developing at least one champion outside of your immediate department. There are numerous reasons why this is important, but I think it's especially important for a new or small function uh, because of the following. Number one, the enhanced credibility and influence you can gain from a champion within the business, which can subsequently influence your ability to get a seat at the proverbial table and you know, help you push your agenda and help you push your initiatives and help you expand and grow your influence. It's also important to find a champion outside of your own department because that person will likely give you some diverse perspectives and insights that you might not otherwise get within your department. You know, the folks in your department, they might see the world just like you do, or they might see the business just like you all do. Um, and we all need that diversity of thought and valuable feedback to learn how to do things like navigate office politics, how to navigate company culture. And I think most importantly, help you navigate, navigate just how to get things done within your organization. And finally, that champion can also serve as a bridge builder for you. And I've, I've found this to be the case over and over and over again, um, just as my very first champion did for me. And what I'm talking about here is connecting you with other departments and other areas of the business that might have a need for intelligence that you didn't know about. So I could talk about this all day, but I promised you know, originally this is a short segment. This is not meant to be a long form episode. So let me stop there and just quickly recap for everyone. Here are the four building blocks that I think are proven in terms of helping a small team or a team of one begin to thrive and not just survive. Number one, perform your job at the highest level and exceed the standards. So everyone takes notice, which results in you being given the space and the opportunity to build on that beyond your original remit. Number two, communicate what you do, and that starts within your department. Number three, be good at spotting opportunities and make sure that you're ready to seize them when they present themselves. And number four, develop at least one champion outside of your immediate department. So that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much again for choosing to spend your time with us. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And of course, give us a follow on LinkedIn, We'd really appreciate it. More importantly, spread the word, tell a friend or colleague, and let us know if you'd like to come on and contribute. We can attribute it to you or you can remain anonymous. It's totally up to you, but we want to hear about your valuable lessons so we can spread them far and wide. Until next time, thanks again, everyone, and have a great week.